let's get weird. <laughs> yep. All right. It's way so, I live my life. Um, so have you been doing, Julian? Oh, there's a primary election where I live and I have to wake up really early on Tuesday to make sure that I vote because I have not missed a single election since I could vote at 18. Not even the local when I lived in a when I lived in Pennsylvania, they had school board elections and I even voted in those. That's great. That's awesome. Listen, you know, we barely had the right to vote for 100 years in this country and I will vote until they take it away from me, which depending on how things go, might be sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, my people, we've only had the right to vote for, what? 56 65 years? Yeah. The, the year. Yeah. And even, you know, we still don't, arguably, so. Technically, yeah. 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 It's, you know, so, yeah, American do that. democracy. Faltering. Uh, so do I will that vote. And, uh, get, get your vote on on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm doing fabulous. Well, I'm happy. Yeah. Um, the, uh, well, I'm kind of tired, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but fabulous while being tired, because, um, as we talked about the read is back and they did I a great breakdown of, uh, Beyonce's Renaissance. And I've you been know, living off of that and, still uh, haven't listened uh, to that album actually. What? It's, it's her best album. I keep hearing that. And I it's know literally it's true. Her best I album. know that it's true, but like, I don't have it in me right now. I don't know why. It will uh it will pick you up. Like uh definitely get into it. It will it it's will better than lemonade. It is better than lemonade. Oof. It's a different thing than lemonade. It's not I understand you know, you that. I understand that. It. I, I get the yeah. grasp that they are different things. I've 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 heard this one is much more of a like this one's basically a dance record. Yeah. Um it's like disco y dancey kind of yeah, gr- disco you know. dance. I mean, it sounds like 70s porn. It's very mm. LGBT. I do love a 70s porn baseline. Yeah. It's very um just full of like love and joy. And um she's described it that way. So I'm like yesterday, I was like literally thankful for her for it. Um it's like I think it's uh it's tied up there with my my favorite album of, of all time which is a super depressing album and so now I have Beyonce as a, as a like corollary to my like depressive mode you know so I have my album from when I'm depressed I have my album now from Beyonce for when I'm like in a joyful state so my life is complete listening to a lot of Morrissey <laughs> in your spare time uh no how dare you um <laughs> <laughs> no I uh I, I don't talk to people about, I'm going to have to cut that out because I don't talk to people about my love for Morrissey because I'm ashamed of him. <laughs> I um, mean, you should be, but yeah. I understand why I, I, his, his music does speak to me too. I understand. Um, so you know I a, love sad white boy music. It's my favorite type of music. I'm into it too. Uh, so no, I'm a, I'm a Smith fan and I hide behind uh, Johnny Marr mm. and I just, I just kind of, you know, stake my claim on him. I no longer support, you know, mm. Morrissey because he's crazy. But um, he's crazy. yeah, he's, he's have you watched um, speaking of sad white boys? Have you watched um, the Sandman Sandman on Netflix? No, but I heard it's good. It's very good. It's shockingly good. It gets a little wobbly in the last like two or three episodes, mm-hmm. um, but it it brings it home as Gwendolyn Christie in it in heels. So she's like 800 feet tall. It's great. Whoa. Love her. Yeah, she's phenomenal. Is that she's another cool. wonderful Amazon woman like? Um, well, she plays Lucifer in it. Hannah Hannah Waddingham. Yeah, uh, yeah, and they're both she's, British, right? 
They're both British. Yeah. Um, so All yeah, right, I'm, let's I'm get gonna back watch. on track. <laughs> <laughs> this is like check-in hour, I guess. Um, I'm gonna watch that eventually. Please do. It's great. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna get started with yep, yep, um, yep. Ted looking all forlorn and dejected after his weekend with Michelle. Um, it looks like he's still accepting that his marriage is going to be over, and he takes off his wedding band and puts it in a little box. That broke my heart. It I did just have oof my in my heart. notes. I was exactly. just like oof. Yeah, that was a tough morning, a tough start to a morning for Ted. Um, he gets to work late. Or at least he says he gets to work late because he chose to walk to clear his mind. He ended up getting lost, unlost, and lost again. I have a theory about this later. Um, it's not that hard to navigate. Uh, probably not. I've never been to London, but it doesn't seem hard. One time I got lost in Japan. That was that was. That scary. seems like a place you would get lost. Yes. Yeah. Luckily, I encountered an English-speaking dentist, and he put me on a bus. Um, and it took me to where I was staying, but um, the train had uh the train station that i normally went to they weren't oh this is gonna get real grim real fast basically i couldn't get on the normal line that i took because someone had killed themselves and so oh no what happened like three or four times when i was in japan um and jesus yes all at once did i never tell you that no okay that got real dark we're gonna skip right past that one there's some issues but it's a great place i love Mm -hmm. it i feel like uh Season four, maybe if Ted Lasso should be like Ted in Japan. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> or maybe so they could do like a fun. special episode where like for some reason he They're and like Rebecca. soccer in Japan, right? I would think so. But like what if he and Rebecca went to Japan on like some business reason? Like, I don't know. And then it was just um, hijinks and hilarious. Hijinks and Sue. Yeah. Though yeah. <laughs> so the uh-huh. subway is very easy to, to navigate. So I don't think he would get lost and then unlost and then lost again and then unlost. Uh, he would. He definitely would. Um, especially if he, are English. he would get lost and unlost looking for Japanese beer, which goes into my theory that I'm going to talk about later. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> so, you know, Ted is just back to the story. Ted is all out of sorts. He's talking um, very fast. Yeah, he's like talking fast. He puts his sweater on backwards. Like everything is just super off. He's like sweaty and like kind of clammy yeah, and weird. Sweaty. Yeah, it's and his gross. hair is all his hair is all mucked up. Yeah, and it's like if you asked him, like, "Hey Ted, do you have any sorts?" He'd be like, "Nope, fresh out." Like he's completely out of sorts. Yeah. Um, and the only thing I wanted to note about this opener is that I think it's amazing how well Beard knows him. Like, I he love had, that little exchange. Yeah. Yeah, like he immediately picks up that Ted is discombobulated over Michelle. And I'm thinking that he's seen Ted like this before, you know, and has been like a firsthand witness to Ted's anxiety and more importantly, his lack of coping mechanisms um, for a while. Yeah. Do you think he witnessed, because we know their relationship was rocky, obviously before he left to go to England. Do you think he saw the initial breakdown? I would I, think I would think so because I think because it, it does end kind of funny with you know um Nate go goes to Beard is he all right and like it just Beard just goes no with kind of like a wry laugh um and you know it kind of the, the episode moves on but I think you're right I think I think he like it's nice to see how well Beard knows him yeah and is kind of giving him space I think to feel his feelings yeah he gives him space. He just seems so familiar 
with exactly the way that Ted is off. Mm. And he clues Nate into that. So basically I'm looking at Beard as like Ted's lifeline almost, you know, like he's the one that gets it, that like kind of understands how Ted is spiraling out right now. It's kind of boring to me. I'm worried about this. So Ted says that he's going to throw himself into his work, which, you know, doing that does provide a distraction, but it's not necessarily the healthiest coping strategy. Uh, and then the last thing I want to say about this before we move on is that Sudeikis does such a good job of playing like a spiraling Ted. Like there were so many acting moments. Like this is why I love this episode is because from Jason Sudeikis, from um, the guy that plays Jamie Tart. Oh, Jamie. What is his name? I just. Well, I don't know his name. Phil Dunster. He's amazing in it. Yeah. So the acting in this episode is just like off the chart. From here, Ted goes into a press conference. You know how Ted is with press conferences. So I get a little nervous. I was like, oh shit, like how bad is this going to be? It turns out that it wasn't bad at all. He actually did a really good job in this press conference, even though he's not always good at press conferences and he's completely uh, rattled and, you know, thinking about his personal life right now. In this scene, Ted gets a kudos for his first win. So hurrah for Ted. Though he believes that you can win a game and still lose or conversely lose a game and still win. But uh, this one, they definitely won. He also explains to Trent Krim, the independent, <laughs> that whether Jamie comes off the bench or not is up to Jamie. So, so I have a question here. Yeah. Jamie was in the room. Do you think Ted, I don't, I don't think Ted saw him. You think Ted saw him? I don't know. That's a good question. I'd have to go back and look. Because you don't, like, because you see him come in, but you don't really see Ted register. And I, you know, I don't know the layout of the room. He could be like kind of ducked in the back. But you do see him come in the room and he clocks that. And then, you know. Yeah, I would have to go back and look to see if Ted saw Jamie. I don't recall that they showed his eyes looking over at Jamie. But we definitely know that Jamie is aware of what Ted's doing, which is basically yeah. putting the ball in his court. Because we see that reaction on Jamie's face where Ted says, you know, it's going to be up to Jamie. And Jamie kind of looks like, you know, this motherfucker. Like he kind of has this look on his face, like, mm, we'll see about that, you know? Yeah. Coming out of the presser, Ted runs into Rebecca, who is mm -hmm. all dolled up in this cute little red polka dot blazer thing. So I like the blazer. Yeah. I do not care for the satin shirt she wears under it. I liked it. I like the whole ensemble. I like the hair along with it. Like well, the to hair me, it was great. I just didn't. I I feel like it would have been better against like a a white chiffon. I don't know. Maybe yeah, just, something a little bit lighter. Maybe I get it. Well, I thought that she looked like a professional version of strawberry shortcake. Like, I thought yeah. she was just so cute. <laughs> she was adorable. So I liked it. I did um, like the coat. I love the coat. Let me yeah. Let me be clear. The was coat was coat. top notch. That's what I was looking at. She she has, she tells him that Manchester City wants Jamie back if Ted plans to keep him benched and make him a second teamer. Well, Ted explains that this plan isn't actually what he's trying to do. He doesn't actually want to bench Jamie, but he does have a plan and his plan is going to work. And I like the way that he says that with um, such um, such confidence, you know, in his plan going forward. In fact, he's so jazzed about his plan. He says the word plan so many times that it loses all meaning. I think and this, this is, is called, actually a, a, a dis, his descent into like, like he's still rattled. 
to be honest. He, he, yeah, it's through the whole ap- episode that he is absolutely all out of sorts and discombobulated. And um, this this thing where you say a word so many times, that happens to me all the time. It's called semantic satiation, as they say in the show. Yep. And um, I Which hate when it happens. Mm-hmm. Beard, beard again for the win, yeah. knowing facts and things. Um, I hate when this happens, but I also find it kind of amusing. So I have two things to note about this. Uh, the first one, have you ever seen these videos of like, they do it for various languages, but the ones for English are obviously the ones that I relate to the most. So they do this, like what English sounds like for non-English speakers. Have you ever seen that on YouTube? It sounds crazy. So basically what they do is they take like just these random words. Most of them are real words. Sometimes they're just random sounds that sound like English words, but they string them together in these conversations. It's basically like two two actors that are playing at a scene with this gibberish version of English. You can hear, like if you didn't understand the meaning of our language, it's what it would sound like without it having any context or logic or meaning behind it and it's really nutty to hear it just sounds like gobbledygook so those are really interesting videos if you haven't seen those look those up on youtube because i imagine it's what huh the internet is a mysterious place it is but i imagine it's what semantic satiation would sound like if you had it for all words yeah right exactly Hmm. if you had it for like all yeah um and so then also, uh, the idea of semantic satiation comes up again in the show uh, a few minutes later when Ted references an Allen Iverson speech that he did when he said practice 22 times in like yeah. one in like a span of a minute and well, a half or whatever. Yeah, I, I, that's what I have in my notes. Practice Allen Iverson speech. <laughs> yeah. And so that was a glorious comedic moment and, and a good sports reference in this show. So I can't I love tell that. you how many times I heard that on the radio growing up. Oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, because he played for the Sixers, right? He did when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll talk about that when we get to it, too. So in the next scene, we learn about the details of Ted's plan which is basically to bring in a second ace, Mr. Danny Rojas, uh, Danny Reds himself. Yep. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. (laughs) And even though Jamie may not be the only ace on the team anymore, he's determined to be the biggest diva. And he basically pulls a Ben Simmons. Like he shows up claiming that he's sick or hurt all of a sudden and unable to practice that day. And uh, Ted once he finds this out, he goes over to him to confront him. This is where we see like the rage that we missed last episode pop out of Ted again. And Jamie says to him, what's the big deal? It's just practice, whatever. And Ted has finally fucking had it. And he marches over to Jamie. And I love how uh, the GP, like all of the teammates like scurried away when Ted was coming over to Jamie to like chew him out basically. And he goes into his speech chastising Jamie like I said this speech just like knocks me out every time if I was young and didn't have arthritis mm-hmm. I would be like rolling on the floor literally laughing my ass off it's the uh, verbatim Allen Iverson practice rant that he did the reference combined with how awkward Jason Sudeikis is in this moment is maybe it's definitely the most ridiculous thing that they ever did in Ted Lasso to just take that whole thing and do it verbatim. Um, well, but it's also one of the funniest moments in the series. So to me. You're, you're right, it's verbatim, but the intent is flipped. Yes. 
So instead of the player saying it, it's the coach saying it. Well, yeah. yeah and he's saying, and, and it's Allen Iverson justifying why he is not in practice, which is, yep. it's just practice. I've not missed a game. I've not missed like anything else. It's just practice. Yeah. Which to be honest, I kind of agree with Allen Iverson. He was very good at basketball. He was very good. And his whole, that's his whole thing was, um, I kill it in the games. So yeah. like why I've missed am I... a few practices? Yeah. yeah. Why, so why are you after me? Why is the coach coming after me? Why is Jerry Brown coming after me? Do you, so do you know the backstory, like the Allen Iverson backstory behind that whole thing? So basically what it is, and I'll try to get through this quickly, but I think it connects back to Ted Lasso too. Ooh, okay. So, you know, Allen Iverson, basically what I think, I think there are parallels between Allen Iverson and Ted in terms of where they are in their life. So he had lost his best friend earlier that year. And he was killed. Like it was, it was a really gun tra- violence, right? I think so. And it was a really tragic thing. The Sixers were also in a slump. He and his coach had been getting into it about basically him not putting as much as he should have been putting into showing up for the team off hours, you know, practice, meetings, things like that. Iverson and Jerry Brown had decided that they were both going to stay on for another year. And that's why he agreed to do this press conference. This is where like the squeaky part comes in. The rumor is that Alan Iverson had a drinking problem at the time. So he went off and got drunk, then comes back later that day, knowing that, or, you know, uh, having to do this press conference afterwards. And he ends up just letting all of his frustrations out in this press conference, I think prompted by somebody asking him about the, the rumors that he wasn't showing up for practice and things like that. And the way that this connects back to Ted is that uh, both he and real person, Alan Iverson and fictional Ted were um, kind of going through some similar things. They had both lost someone who is close to them. You could say their best friend. So Ted had just lost Michelle or just learned that he was losing Michelle. And then they both had teams that were in the middle of losing streaks. And maybe, just maybe, they both have drinking issues. Yeah, Ted has, I think, has a fan, like, I think they're hinting at Ted having a bit of an issue. And so this is where I wanted to talk about my conspiracy theory for episode six. So, you know, when Ted comes in in the morning and Uh he's like, oh, I got lost on my way to work. You think he was drinking? I think he got lost in a bar. I think he went to the Crown and Anchor. I think that he was drinking because he was so sweaty, discombobulated. He was really like um, quick to like tr- get triggered to anger this whole episode. And I have in my notes, I have, um, Ted is not well. Uh, Ted is not well because he's drunk. <laughs> I don't think he's drunk. We've seen him drink. This uh, isn't Ted drunk. Like, I, I, I don't think, I don't think he's drunk. I think he's just really out of source. And I don't think the show would hide it either. I mean, you're probably right. But again, this is my you, This is your theory. pet theory? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he was all like sweaty and weird just the whole episode. I, yeah, I don't um, think that's just because he's all out of sorts. Yeah, at, well, he's, like, like I He's said. like anxious. Don't but step know- on my theory. Okay. <laughs> he was drunk. Yeah, no, I, I. well, you know, taking it straight from the show, yes, he was, uh, it's the anxiety playing out. It's being upset about Michelle. But yeah. there's something, well- Here's the kind of odd or the, you know, kind of thing that um, puts it on the line. It can go one way or the other, because when he is doing his interpolation of Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson was drunk at the time. Hmm. And that's, you know, that's 
that's known, you're... that's known at this point. And so Four when hours. Jason Sudeikis was playing that scene, I feel like he was playing it like a little bit drunk, little right? Little he was wild. like play- yeah. he was playing it a little bit like yeah. So he comes in a little bit too hot, like he's like a little bit too mad at Jamie for like the offense that Jamie made of just like making a an offhanded you know quip about practice. Um, and he's also playing it a little sloppy. So that's just something I, I picked up. I'm like, exactly how much are they trying to do a callback to the, I guess, the state of mind behind Alan Iverson at the time? Last week, I wondered what full-on angry Ted would look like. And I think that we got it. Or we got something close to it. I know you don't think that he was like, full-on angry. I don't think he's full-on angry. You think it gets worse than that? I think he gets angry. Like, I think he, like, he is a person. Like, we're seeing him be frustrated. Um, sorry, I was doing math to figure out how old Alan Iverson was. He was 26 mm, okay. when this happened, which that's still really young. It's a hard time to unexpectedly use lose a uh, lose a friend. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think we fully see Ted get get pissed off here, but I do enjoy what I do enjoy from this scene is is he tells Jamie to go set up the cones like he's in the like the other reserve players do. Yeah. Um, and Roy is loading you just see like you see Roy like slide into screen yeah and and he's just like he's just having he's having a grand old time Nate was just like yes yeah everybody (laughs) takes out like schadenfreude on uh Jamie Tart I mean I can't really and it it is a schadenfreude free zone nine schadenfreude but (laughs) um I can't say that I blame them I don't blame him. Like he has been an unparalleled dick. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Schadenfreude. I, I believe in Schadenfreude. So oh, I differ huge. from huge. Yeah, I differ from, from Ted on that. I've been into Schadenfreude since Avenue Q when I learned what it was. <laughs> but um, they had a great song about Schadenfreude. You know, the actor that plays Jimmy Tart, Phil mm-hmm. Dunster. Like I said, I think he stole this whole episode. But in this scene. His acting was superb. And he had this little choice that he did where the expression on his face was the expression that like you could imagine a little boy having when he's being chastised. He's like a kind of still a teenager or like yeah, preteen almost. Yeah. Preteen and like also slightly embarrassed, like definitely taking it in and feeling the judgment of, you know, this authority figure that you don't want yelling at you, that you would rather have happy with you than like yelling at you. Um, yeah. And then also there's a s- slight bit of embarrassment that it's happening in front of his peers. You can see him kind of looking around at other people. And none of them are stepping judging. in and none of them are standing up for him. Well, they are like, bring it on, which is why they all cleared out of the way. And yeah. afterwards, you know, when he was like basically trying to shirk the responsibility of laying out the cones, they were not on his side. They were like, hey, no, he told you to do it because you're a second teamster now. Like they were kind of rubbing it in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's. For them, I think it's just desserts. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I just um, really enjoyed Roy's gloating. It was my yes. favorite. Roy, Roy Kent is a good gloater. Listen, Roy Kent is always a good time. He's a, he's a good troller, which is why he and Keely get along. I think she's <laughs> she's the queen of trolling. He's like the king of trolling. Yeah, she's so much better at it than she's him too. Which she's is oddly good at trolling. Like no one should be so that good. Good. We actually have to talk on their scene later. Lastly, in this part of the story, I want to talk about Nate, who's enjoying Jamie's misfortune mm-hmm. a whole lot. And maybe he's enjoying it a little bit too much. 
And I feel like we got to keep an eye on Nate. I think it's, I think it's a hint of what's to come. Yep. I don't think it's too excessive simply because of how brutal Jamie has been to Nate. Yep. He's been just horrible. So I, I, this I see what you're saying but I also kind of in this case Jamie's just getting what he deserves and Nate's enjoying it yeah I thought about that too if I was Nate I would probably be enjoying it as well I can't blame him here right later out on the pitch we see Ted's plan (laughs) Ted's plans being put into place Mm -hmm. and um Danny Rojas Danny Rojas comes Danny Rojas 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 Comes bounding out of the. <laughs> he comes like bounding. A glorious out. raven hair. Oh God, you cannot. Golden retriever, like a gorgeous. Oh God, he's great. There, there is no, um, there is no like taking down Danny Rojas from just the majestic, wonderful creature that he is. Except those ghosts. Well, except, except for the goddamn World War One ghosts, yes. Yeah. But we take care Rat of those. bastards. <laughs> well. Well, Actually, they were the victims in it. They were. They, they were, like, were. tricked. But listen, yeah. I do love Danny Rojas, and it hurts me that they tripped him. That's true. So in this case, they are kind of rap bastards. Yeah, stay away from Danny Rojas' yeah. knees. He also has glorious hair. His it's glorious not hair. As, it's not as good as uh, Trent Krim, because Trent Krim's hair is I think the actor that plays Trent Krim cut his hair. I think he no. did. Unless I was looking at an old photo. Of him, but I'm I'm worried about that. I want to see what he looks like in season three. I'm sure it's so glorious. Um, you better put a wig on him or something. I want that long hair. You, no, no, you, you can't, you can't, you can't fake that. That hair is too beautiful. So I like that. Uh, Danny comes out to jerk it out. Remember that song from the Apple iPod commercials? Like back in the, you remember those commercials back? You in know, the- I have no con. You know, I have no memory for music. Um, but I just like I like it that he comes out to that because it's the perfect song for him because it's just pure energy. And it turns out that he's very good at what he does. Danny Rojas is a bad boy, as they say. And I'm feeling good about this plan. Yeah. Guys. Football is life. Football and is life. Is, and Roy is gloating again to Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they do the did you did you notice they do the cross pass um, that they've been working on? No, I didn't know again. That. Yeah, except they flipped it from Sam to Danny Rojas, mm-hmm. and like then that's and then he scores the goal, and then they all do the hug thing. Yeah, and it's really cute, and and they and it's what you can. One of the things I actually think is an excellent choice is where you can see the immediate difference between Jamie and and Danny is is that he runs to Sam immediately, and it's like excellent pass, Sam, or like great pass, Sam, and like gives him a hug, and like Sam's all like happy. Sam's Man, who, does, who doesn't want to see Sam be happy? Exactly. He's, I just, I, that's the only thing I want. Light. Yeah, I know. That's the only thing I want in my whole life is just he's for Sam Abasanya so, to be happy. I know. Such a <laughs> um, that's a great observation because I did not notice that. Um, yeah, they did the cross pass again in, in yeah. reverse with, uh, with to, to drive it, I think probably to drive it home more to, to Jamie, where instead of passing to Sam so he could score, yeah. they, they passed, they, they kind of did it the old way, which is pass it to, uh, to what would have been Jamie. Yep. Because Danny Rojas can handle it as opposed to Jamie, who would have let his ego get out of control and, and was had- already not passing the ball. Yep. Yeah. It was great. Oh, that, that is good. That's a good God, one. I love Danny Rojas. Uh, so in Rebecca's office, 
Keely walks in to talk to Rebecca mm-hmm. with her adorable My Adventures as a uni- Unicorn Planner. notebook. Oh, yeah. I love it. <laughs> it was so cute. And um, Maya, you know, I've been listening to uh, Beyonce the last like three weeks. And uh, Keely came in and she was like, unicorn is the uniform. Like she was like in Beyonce renaissance mode. I know this wasn't out then, but she was on her unicorn shit. Mm. Well, anyway, she has some bad news about Rupert. It's been all in the news lately that he has hooked up with Bex, the lady from the auction in the green dress, who was just whatever. And she the press- was pretty. Keely is right. She is proper fit. She is, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Listen, act like she's, she's no. Not. She's no Rebecca. <laughs> she's no Rebecca, and she's no Keely. God, Keely. God, I love the two of them. So, so you know, much. I mean, they tell me that she's attractive or whatever, but I don't see it. So <laughs> it's because you're being spiteful. Because <laughs> I'm being I'm being petty on behalf of my girls. Okay. <laughs> so, like, forget you, Bex. I don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. So the press has taken to calling Bex. Rebecca, because that's also her full name, and they've taken to calling our Rebecca old Rebecca, which is rude. One. Also, the fact that Rebecca didn't already know this says a lot to me. Keely has to be the one to come in and tell her this news, and that symbolizes to me that Rebecca is beginning to move on because, remember, we have seen her in past episodes monitoring those tabloids like first thing in the morning. Or, you know, surfing the net or watching TV, looking at things about Rupert. Um, and so I like that little bit of she doesn't know this until Keely tells her. So I'm thinking, you know, maybe Rebecca's starting to let go. A, a little, little bit. bit, but she's still being real spiteful to Higgins. Because when um, Keely, when she makes fun of Keely's notebook, Keely tells her to fuck off. Mm-hmm. And, oh. <laughs> and, and Higgins is like taken aback. And he's like, I'm just trying to imagine what would happen if I told you to fuck off. And like an evil glint appears in Rebecca's mm-hmm. eyes. And she's like, no, you wouldn't. <laughs> oh, it would it would be over for Higgins. It would be over. He she she would like get that like she would like impale him with like the the coat rack in her office. And that would be yeah. the end of Higgins. Our boy Higgins doesn't deserve that. He's a sweet, sweet, wonderful man. He is, but she's still like, you're right. I think this is an indication she's starting to move past it, but clearly she's not. Clearly it still hurts. Yeah, um, it still hurts. And she she's trying, but she doesn't make it all the way there. We see ooh, later on. Yeah. While I hate this newest slight against her, I am happy that she's starting to evolve a little bit. So I have hope but- for Rebecca. Next, we catch up with Jamie. He's out on the pitch and he's picking up the cones as he's been assigned to do by Ted. Danny Rojas, Rojas, Rojas. <laughs> joins him. And the two have a little game of, I'm going to call it football horse. Yeah. It's like horse and basketball, right? But like at yeah. the soccer goal. And what I think about it that is great is that Danny is with, utterly without guile in this in yes. this scene like he clearly thinks it's a great game they're playing yeah and that danny is just another or that jamie is just like he has this great degree of skill like he's done like when he met when jamie finally misses the 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 shot at the end yeah like he's just like oh no like it's and there's there's no spite there's no like boasting it's danny plays because he loves the game and because he just football loves football is life football is life <laughs> Yeah, there's no there's no ego, right? So like, yeah, Jamie's constantly trying to show him up and may or may not be successful in doing that. I think the thing that I noticed in this is that 
Danny is better than Jamie. So like I they're both very, very good. But if one has to squeak out the other, like if you had to place one over the other, I think Danny could, could take Jamie. I don't know. I think that their skill is probably more equal. I think this shows that, I think this is to show that Jamie is caught up in his own head. You know what I mean? Like that he, that Ted, what Ted said to him has gotten to him mm-hmm. and it's affecting him. I think it's more of a that kind of thing because as this time goes on, we don't see any clear differential between, between Danny Rojas and Jamie Tart. What Ted said got to Jamie and he is having like he is having a moment. I think in that moment, maybe Jamie is worried that Danny's better than him. Yeah. And in addition to him being thrown off, that's how it's playing out. Yes. Yeah. 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 I think because Danny's clearly the closest to his level of skill and is an actual honest to God challenge. Yep. And so now Richmond has two aces. Somebody else has a foot that's been blessed by God. So, yeah. Jamie has something to worry about. Back inside the club, Roy is still reading A Wrinkle in Time. Bless him. <laughs> on the treadmill. It's okay, Roy. I could be a slow reader sometimes too, um, depending upon what the material is. We find out this thing about him, about his uh, his backstory, his recruitment history, right? Like he was mm-hmm. nine, I think he said. Yeah. Um, When he got recruited, he's from South London. He got recruited up to Sunderland to start I assume training to be a, a professional. I, I would guess. I don't know. Or put into like the mill. Like I'm sure they have like a the pipeline. Yeah, the pipelines. Yeah. So who who knows what he did in terms of schooling? Because they basically put him into the mill. Young. I'm I'm assuming like he can read. So I'm assuming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming he at least got to like high school. Keely comes up to Roy to join him on this treadmill. On the treadmill to pretend they're on a walk. That's so cute. Oh, I love it. Oh, I love it so much. That is really cute. Um, I didn't even think of it that way, but now I'm going to oh, think of it that way. Hit, well, she says it exp- explicitly. Like, and she goes, lovely wet. Like, she's like talking about lovely time of year. The leaves are turning and Roy is just like, what? And she goes, oh, I thought we could just pretend we're on a nice walk. Oh, okay. And so it's like, <laughs> this is like Keely kind of explicitly hitting on Roy. Um. <laughs> yeah. And then she calls Roy a show pony. Uh, he he is a show pony. He yeah, is she, a show pony. She's trying to get him in on the branding uh, work that she's you know doing for the team. One of the things that I love about this scene. So she gets on that treadmill in six inch heels, like these like boots that are amazing. Yeah, they are nice boots. And she's she's rocking that treadmill right alongside him like a queen. So I yeah, love I sinc- for that. I sincerely hope they did not actually have her walk on that treadmill in heels like that. That that was just like a, like a insert shot Maybe. and then they like let her walk like a normal oh. <laughs> human being because that cannot be safe yeah <laughs> Ooh, i was scared for her another uh beyonce mention from me you know mm-hmm. destiny child they used to train like that on treadmills and like doing their choreography and heels um to keep you up their stamina to. and their like dancing ability their agility their balance things like that yeah, you ha- you have to when you like if you dance and you're going to fin- do the final dance in those kind of shoes, you have yeah you have to, to practice that way. You have to practice that way. So you know, Keely had her unicorn thing going. Now she's on a treadmill in the heels. So I'm she's basically channeling gonna, Beyonce. I'm going to start calling Keely Beyonce pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> she okay. is great. So and, and another thing I love. This was such a short scene, but there was so much good good stuff packed into it. 
Roy hits her with the what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like even before I saw him do it, I, I would have that little moment in my head with people when they would come up to me randomly with things that I was not keyed into. And I would just be like, what? what's what? going no. on? Now, wh- now, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, but she's hitting on him. They are. Yeah. So thrilled. And you can tell how thrilled he is. They're flirting. It's so back cute. It's, it's so just much. disgustingly cute. They're flirting. It's so back and cute. Forth. I love it so much. <laughs> and um, side note and a question. So Keely mentions something about Roy rapping in a charity event for World Hunger. Yeah. Um, do you think that Roy Kent has bars? No. no I don't either. <laughs> and that's why I think she's giving him shit about it. I don't I don't think so either. Because Keely would 100% be like, you did well if, if he had done well. But um, he clearly did not. <laughs> Yeah, Roy Ken is a man of many talents. I do not think that is one of them. I I don't I don't think rapping is one of them either. He said I think that he doesn't, but that he tried. You know, like he gave it an an honest try. I think he did too because he said it was he he was like he defended it like almost like he was like proud of it a little bit because he's like it was to end like it was for world world hunger hunger, or something. And she just comes back and goes and surely it ended it like. Or something like she's just kind of she's just she she's a troll. She's they're, just trolling him. Yeah. She trolls him. He does not necessarily troll her back as hard, but he trolls other people. He does, um, but mainly Jamie. <laughs> but sometimes he. But like I I don't know that he could. He is so undone by her so quickly. She would win. I feel like he's a little bit afraid of her. Like not oh. in like a real way, but in that kind of like way where you're intrigued. Like I'm kind yeah. of. Like you're kind of keep you're kind of putting me off of my toes a little bit. So I'm kind of yeah. Well, know, she's the that. only one that seems utterly ne- neither impressed nor afraid of nor him. afraid. Mm-hmm. And so like totally. he's like really yes. And and men like that when you can uh, no they go toe to toe with them. No, they don't. The men, my- I, <laughs> the men that I like like that. <laughs> I <laughs> try, man. Because you're right. You're right. A lot of them don't like that. You really don't. I've had a lot of men tell me that I'm really mean. And I said, and I go back to them and go, yeah, but that's your problem. not mine. Um, You have to, my thing is um, there's a fine line with uh, kind of that lighthearted ribbing stuff. You have to find somebody that like likes that and that can like get on your wave with it. But then you also both have to know how to not take it too far. Especially in like a romantic relationship. I never take it to, I don't know. Maybe I just pick fragile men. Yeah. No, I'm saying in general, not not in your situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so my theory with the Roy rapping thing is that he's kind of like uh, the grime rapper Giggs. Uh, Again, so he's, I, I love, don't know what that means. <laughs> so I, I love Giggs. It's like grime rap, you know, like the UK rap genre. Like one of the bigger ones, at least. Vaguely. Just, don't listen to it. It's not worth it sorry i mean again again <laughs> any grime i'm sorry <laughs> what we 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 started off this conversation with me complaining how disgustingly pale and white i am oh so. you know i mean a lot of like <laughs> grime rappers are white like it's the uk um <laughs> a lot of good, a lot good of counter argument i don't yeah. i can't i can't plus i mean i think that you know how i am about music i listen to literally everything i don't um so i don't really tie music to like mm, you know, like race, ethnicity, background, like all that. I think mm. it's like free for all, basically. Um, I don't necessarily disagree, but I like sad white boy music. Was it sad white boy music? Yes. Is it? Uh, Is it sad white boy oh, music? 
out of Seattle uh, specifically it, it, because I like said white boy music out of Seattle. Oh, so do I. A lot of people do. That's why you had the whole, um, you know, grunge wave back in the 90s. Well, that but, and I really like Death Cab for Cutie, but that's neither here nor there. Death Cab for Cutie is a good yep. one. I, I don't know a ton of their stuff, but I just I, I what I do know, I, I like my, my sad white boy music. Um, again, my favorite album of all time. Which rivals Beyonce. Very strange that it rivals Beyonce. Um, but I didn't mention it before, so I feel like I have to mention it now. And also it's a UK. Well, he's American, but he became an expat in the UK. I feel like we do at least have one UK listener. But if any other <laughs> UK listeners are out there, they might know about Scott Walker. And um, I'm just gonna say Scott Four, um, his fully self-written album saved my life a couple of times. Hmm. Um so I love that. Love Scott Walker. But um what I've been trying to get out about Roy is that he reminds me, not reminds me, but in my head he would sound like Giggs. So Giggs, what Giggs does is he just makes like statements and they don't even have to rhyme. Like Giggs is not a great rapper. Um <laughs> and then he just follows up his statements with like random names of ladies. And I wish I could do a gigs impression. I had a, a an ex that did a great gigs impression. I don't, um, don't want. I don't know that I want to hear it. <laughs> I'm gonna that, spare. I'm gonna spare you my gigs impression. But that's what what Roy would sound like in my head for anybody that knows gigs. Gigs is also from South London, so I feel like that would be Roy's vibe. Mm. I think they call things like that like head cannons. You know, yes. I've been calling them conspiracy theories, but that's my head cannon on what Roy Kent would be like as a rapper. Okay, so by the end of this treadmill conversation, <laughs> and you're like shaking your head at me, <laughs> I have an active imagination. You do, you do, and I like it, but I so, don't want to think about Roy Kent rapping. <laughs> Look up gigs and then I won't. I imagine, I imagine, <laughs> imagine Roy doing it. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. So Keely's, you know, trying to get him in on the branding thing. That's what she's up to. I just, as we said, I love them flirting and um, I think Roy's going to get in on this just so he can be with Keely. I don't know. Spend some time with her. And who wouldn't choose to work with Keely? I mean, come on. I mean, she's great. She can walk on a treadmill in heels. In high heels. She she is the white British Beyonce. She okay? is. <laughs> so after this, Danny is out on the pitch practicing and the poor baby slips and he injures his knee or something on his leg. Okay, so weirdly related soccer story. Uh So it looks like he just kind of slipped and fell like an idiot. And it doesn't, you're like, so one time when I was playing soccer, this is intramural soccer, folks, Mm -hmm. like, you know, back in the day, somebody missed a a penalty kick out of the box, Uh fell, fell awkwardly, broke their fucking pelvis. Like, it was insane. Like, and they had to, like, this game obviously stopped, like, that ended the game. And they had to get the, they had to get fire, firemen out because she was in so much pain. And because of how it was broken, she had to be carried out. They put her on a, on a, they found a chair. They had to put her on a chair and carry her out and strap her into the back of the ambulance that way. Like, she missed, like, two months of school. Like, it was, and it was just literally, like, it was just, she lined up for a kick. She went to take it with her right, her right foot like somehow missed and like kind of fell in this like weird off cracked your pelvis like it was wild wild and just you telling that story I like felt it in my body in your like pelvis she, you felt yeah. it in your yeah it was insane 
And like, yeah, it took like four, because she had to be carried like very slowly. It took like four firemen to carry her out. Um, they had her on, like before they moved her, they had her on a morphine drip. Like that's like that. Cause the, the pain was incredible. Jesus. Like I've never heard anyone make that noise. I feel like um, football is like deceptively dangerous. It Cause you is... know, you see those clips sometimes where like people fall a certain way and their like femur comes through their leg, through their like muscle and shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I feel like, like it's dangerous. Any, anything that like, like a lot of the times when they fall to the ground, it is like they are milking it. But like every yeah. once in a while, you can really it's hurt yourself. Really bad news. Yeah. Um. And like that. That's I don't. She must have had some underlying. Well, I don't know. I think sometimes you just fall a weird way. Yeah. And you know your bones aren't. Like you just hit it in a, a weird angle. Yeah. And it's like physics. You hit it at the the correct right angle and it breaks. Yeah. And that's um, what happened. Oof. Oof. Magoof. So just, you know, Ted says just an hour ago, he was out running on the pitch. He was running circles again, like a beautiful raven haired golden retriever (laughs) where he gets this description from. I don't know, but it is accurate. (laughs) Like, I think he's just observing reality. Yeah, it is accurate. Um, Danny's glorious. And, you know, but I believe that Ted jinxed him because you remember when they were sitting in the bleachers watching him when he first uh, came on the scene. Ted mm-hmm. was talking about how he fell from a lucky tree and hit every branch on the way down. I feel like Ted jinxed him a little bit. I could see that. I could see. I In think addition he's counting to like, his chickens before they're laid. Yeah. Or the hatched. Hatched, yeah. Whatever. That works too, laid. So, well, it turns out not to be the case that Danny was lucky. He was really unlucky. We learned from Nate that Danny has had some bad juju on him after going into the cursed treatment room earlier yeah. that day. Yeah. And so, I love I love this scene where they're all standing around discussing it, all the players. Yeah. Uh, and, it, and he's like, why didn't anyone tell me? And no. <laughs> they're like, <laughs> and it's just Sam goes, well, there's the thing about, you know, a whole bunch of grown men believing in, <laughs> right. believing in like bad juju. Yeah. And 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 then he goes, well, Roy goes, I don't believe it. And then he goes, would you go into the room? No. <laughs> it's no. just great. It's just great. Roy Ken's not stupid. OK, he's not no. going to go into that room. No, I didn't take Roy for being a man of superstition. I think I think anyone that plays sports is because it's such a game of chance like any split because you can be it's it is like i think it is like life in 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 many ways like danny rojas is right football is life like you can be your best and everyone can be your best and you can just have some bad breaks and that's it and so like i think a lot of sports people tend to be quite um superstitious simply because of that i think that if i was if I had the motivation to do it, meaning it, it was my career to be in great shape like that, and I was making millions of dollars to do so, and it was my, it's their vocation, it's their love, it's, you know, what they love doing. I could do all of that. The thing that would terrify me as a professional athlete would be the risk that I would get injured, that it would, one, hurt like a motherfucker. Because like you're you're putting your body on the line. Like I think of this in terms of American football, you know, with CTE and 
of well, the anything. muscular and um, like skeletal issues that they get into, the arthritis, things like that, you're basically signing up to forsake your physical health and sometimes even your, your mental health in exchange for temporary fame money. And you know, their window is very, very accolades. short. It's what, yeah. 10 to 15 years? Yeah. Like, and, and most people can play from around 18 to about, nowadays they're extending it out to almost 40, but like that's 12 years. And that's, yeah. and like, yeah, anything like a twisted ankle could could end it. That's what I, like, it's, it's basically kind of like, for them, it's kind of li- like living in the olden times where like a single inju- in, in, like, injury could be absolutely devastating to your career and your ability to make money and like for average day-to-day folks like I'm not saying that we don't risk injury like you know anyone could slip and fall down a flight of stairs and that could be a life-changing experience for anyone yeah I say this is someone who fell down a hill um I got a compression fracture in my spine like so but I also don't like that didn't end my career like I can still work and it doesn't cause me any issues, like from a working perspective, for yeah. the most part. But like for a professional athlete, that would be career ending. Yeah. And that's like that's gonna be so scary and so hard. It would cause me a lot of anxiety. More so yeah. than pay- playing the actual games. Yeah, yeah. Cause yeah. like you're right. Like people are like, I hate it when people say, Well, oh, they're doing they're playing games for a living. And it's like, again, they have a very short window in which to make money and you know like some of these like these career like these injuries can be like life-altering like you can be disabled for the rest of your life with some of them they are business people just like anybody else it just so happens that the thing that they make money on is something that some people see as a game something that other people see as like this like tribal thing that they dedicate their life to and become fanatics about so Mm -hmm. you can't trivialize it I don't I don't Um, I think and I think it's just very hard anyone like can you imagine like if you had to do your job with a crowd of thousands watching you like just the fact like just that yeah is unbelievable and judging you and like yelling shit at you yeah yeah and if you're in philadelphia yelling really mean shit at you yelling yeah but it's you can't understand what they're saying because they're all drunk so (laughs) i mean yeah but but counter argument some of them might 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 get mad enough to just whip a battery at you that is the, the that, that is uh or worse i mean or worse or fucking, worse um, it is philadelphia <laughs> they have yeah philadelphia fans have nothing on soccer hooligans okay so back to the show that was a nice little duck walk that we took <laughs> um so to remedy this curse that danny has walked himself into by going into the treatment room Ted decides that he's going to perform an exorcism of sorts. Mm -hmm. And so he decides to gather up the fellas and they're (laughs) going to go out and reverse this curse. For a second, this show starts to feel like Scooby-Doo, like for just a second. Uh, So I like that. They mosey over to the crown and anchor. And there's a poster on the wall from 1914, right after World World War I started. This is the source of the curse. The backstory is that the army used football as a recruitment ploy to lure young men into enlisting for the service. So Ted and the team decide to break this curse by honoring the soldier's sacrifice. To do this, they sacrifice something of their own at midnight tonight at the club. Do you want to say something? 
No, I like when he's discussing it and they, they give the number. It was like 400 ghosts. And I think it's the Welsh one that goes, 400 ghosts. That's too many ghosts. We can't fight that many ghosts. And I was like, it's entirely too wait, wait, you're going to fight them? <laughs> it's entirely too ghosts? many ghosts. That guy is such a like Welsh hole, which I'm starting to like him because he's I such love, a rando. He's so like, when you get to know him, like at first you're right. He kind of comes off as a dick, but like once... Roy intercedes and um, gets him and Isaac to stop picking on Nate. They and they actually then become kind of friends with Nate. Like you see them kind of trying to mend bridges with Nate yeah. a little bit throughout the um, series. Yeah, they become kind of soft little weirdos. And you know how much I love a soft weirdo. <laughs> um, Ted puts his plan out there, and Roy, again being superstitious, insists that they're all gonna fucking do it. So. Yes, I love it. I love Roy. It's just like, yes, we're going to do when, this. When Roy uh, lays down the law and tells people how it's going to be. <laughs> in, in our next scene, this little sacrifice or, or seance or exorcism, whatever is happening. Jamie's not happy about it. He thinks it's dumb. And he goes over to commiserate with Keely, posting up in front of her house like some stalker. I loved this scene. This was an unexpectedly impactful scene for me. I agree. I think it's great. It's 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 Keely helping Jamie be smart, basically. And she basically tells him to get his head out of his ass. And like Ted is trying to help you. Like stop fighting someone trying to help you. And you can and you can see that he hears it from Keely. And the reason that I like this scene is because everyone has a backstory, which is why you shouldn't judge people without really knowing them. So from Keely, you know, because she's looking into everybody's backstory trying to find branding opportunities for them. And uh, it's one of the things I love about her in this particular ep episode is how much she's actually interested in them as people and um, how she shows up and kind of gives that great advice as like a supportive friend, like the one that you need to listen to. When she's talking to Jamie, she tells him about the fact that she knows that he battled his way from the council estates in North Manchester, Manchester. Manchester North Manchester, all the way to the Premier League. And she calls him a battler, which I think is completely right. This changes how I see Jamie. And in a rather insightful piece of advice, she's like, it's all fine and good that you're a battler, but learn when to do it and when not to do it, right? Like you said, don't well, battle the people that are trying to help, to help you. you. Yeah, she basically, yeah. that's what, that's her advice. It's like, Ted is not someone for you to fight. Like she basically, like, cause I think that's how he sees it. It's always been because of his father's influence, him against everyone. And Ted is trying to come in here and be like, no, 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 we're a team. It's not you against everyone anymore. It's us against everyone. And he's still kind of like, you can't see it. He's just, he comes from a rough background, basically. Yeah. I understand from all of the British Mancunian music that I listen to, speaking of Morrissey and the Smiths, and all of that stuff, you know, a lot of 80s and 90s stuff, that um, Manchester can be a pretty bleak place. Probably for a kid like Jamie growing up in the council estates, childhood poverty is like a really big thing in Manchester. So he's basically had to fight and he doesn't know how to turn it off. And we, yeah. get, we do get more about from Jamie's own perspective why he's like that. But this is the point where I start to see him very differently and way more sympathetically. Because before Same. this, the only thing I liked about Jamie was his legs. And now I'm looking at him and I'm like, you know what, Jamie? Like, you might be all right. Like, there, there might be some kinship that I can find with you. 
Though I don't think the actor that plays him is from Manchester. Mm, I didn't look it up, but uh, I don't believe so. I believe he doesn't hear sound. Me. He sounds meant like he's from Manchester. Like that's the accent he's putting on. But like when he when he speaks in interviews, mm. different accent. I think he's a much more London accent. Yeah. So he's he's putting it on for the the show. Yeah. Um, I also start to look at two other characters a little bit differently in the next scene. So Sam comes into Rebecca's office to ask her to attend their uh, sacrifice, their exorcism tonight, and cuteness ensues. Okay, so this is a little weird. Why does she immediately think that Sam wanted to ask her on a date? And my my theory is that Rebecca was already thinking of Sam like that because he comes in and uh, he introduces himself. Maybe. And she's like, oh, I know who you are. You know what I mean? So I'm thinking Well, like, she knows who the players on our team are, but it wouldn't shock no, me. I know. These are a bunch of cheeky lads. It wouldn't shock me if one or more of them had made a pass at her. Like, it really wouldn't. She is an Maybe. attractive, she's she's, an attractive yes. lady. And she's like, as we just talked about, like, their, their future is uncertain. So, like, if they can, oh. you know, well, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're looking for a sugar mama. Yeah. Or like a way to make sure that they would stay on the team and maybe not get cut or their, their contracts traded. Oh, no. So they're trying to do a little something well, strange for, yeah, for a guaranteed so contract. Basically. So, like, I, I would see like and, and, and to be honest, it's it's phrased in that way. It's not like he doesn't come in and say, hey, we're having a team activity tonight. Would you like to join us? I see you as part of the team. He's like, he comes in and phrases the way you would phrase a date, which is what are you doing tonight? I think she was being a little presumptuous there. I mean, she was. I, was like, I mean, though she thinking, actually, you know what? She's not. What she's thinking? a very attractive woman. What are you thinking about? This, she's this, a very uh, attractive woman. She is very attractive. But my point is, I think that she had, she had I already- did, laid plans in terms of of sam in her head (laughs) maybe a little bit but i think she i like i mean yeah i think she jumped the gun but i can also see it she's very attractive like Um, i'm sure she gets asked out asked out quite a bit i'm sure she does secondly i'll say that it's all in the eyes in this scene so they each have this little sparkle in their eyes that i couldn't help but notice it so it's so wonderful sam is so charming in this and I like his whole thing about the curse of like how, oh, you think just because I'm Nigerian, I'm way into curses. Like, I am, but because of Harry Potter. <laughs> and then he goes on about like how, um, you know, J.K. Rowling has, Rowling has more money than the queen. And he likes, what he likes is, is that she got that money. She got so rich because she put something good into the world. And it pains me. No, she put a lot of bad shit into the world after Don't, that too. Listen, listen, he didn't know. Sam is a pure, innocent soul. And I yeah. just it, J.K. Rowling bums me up. I, well, that's you know been, how much I loved Harry Potter. I know that's I been more more recently with yeah. Her, that so. wasn't fully known at that yeah. point. And but so another problematic British person in addition to Morrissey. So uh, let's just keep a list of all the hateful. So many of them. hateful problematic British people mm. who, if they would just shut up and, and let us love their products, it'd be yeah. Much I loved Harry Potter so much. Back to Sam's mission. He can't take no for an answer, given that she is a part critical, of the team. A critical part of the team. Yeah, she's the owner. Yeah. So she more or less agrees to come tonight, non-verbally. But we know that she's going to show up. She's clearly charmed by him. I love, and it's hard not to be charmed by Sam. It is. It's charming. He's a delight. Delightful. At the actual sacrifice ritual, the boys each put something that means a lot to them 
in this like trash can that they're going to set on fire, ranging from Roy's blankie that was given to him by his granddad. Ugh. There's some sand from a beach where the French, the French guy, guy was wild. Yeah. It's fucking wild. Where he first hooked up with a supermodel. <laughs> yeah. I just love that Roy in his story was adorable. And and he and they all start to make fun of him. And then he goes, I was fucking nine. Say something. And it's Say like, something. Yeah. It's like that. Like he's like being open and vulnerable. And then it's yeah. the second he's like, Say yeah, something. I yeah, was like, being open and vulnerable. What very, are you going to do about it? Very South London. Um, I love it. And then. You know, also Rebecca gets in there. She throws in a copy of the Sun tabloid. So, you know, again, I'm rooting for her to let go of this bullshit that's like weighing her down and distracting her and putting her on a bad path. And she keeps giving me signals that she's going to let it go. You know, There's a we'll, specific moment that I think turns the tide the other way. It, it really is. Yeah. And so she's not completely successful, but she's trying throughout this episode. She is. And she and she ends her little contribu- contribution by saying, fuck the haters. And I'm like, yes, Aww. yes, Rebecca. Yeah. But wait, before it's all over, Mr. Absentee, Ted Lasso Universe Ben Simmons, comes in, Jamie Tart. so I'm talking about. He finally decides to show up and credit to Keely, the truth bomb, you know, deliverer earlier. Mm-hmm. And what he does here just guts me. So my, sad. my feels were all a flutter. This is where we get to see the real Jamie. And I mean, it's full on breakthrough. It's like, call your mama, call your best friend, call your therapist. Yeah. Uh, because everything just got real in this moment. Yeah. So Jamie reveals that his mom was always his supporter. And the reason that he got into football and she didn't care if he won or lost. But then when he got good, his dad came into the picture. Isn't that always the case? And demanded that he dominate. Or he would call Jamie soft. He hated this, as anybody would. And so he made a vow to be tough so that his dad could never call him soft again. And right now he wonders whether he's making his mama proud or if he's kind of lost the plot. Yeah, and um, he's lately he's not he's not been making he's not proud. doing that. And Phil Dunster's acting again is so good in this scene. The man, like he doesn't just have like juicy hindquarters; he can evoke emotion too. So kudos to him on that. He stole that scene. He stole this whole episode to me. He also, he also stole the scene with the phrase, his, my parents divorced when he was still a sexy little baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not, not to derail like what was legitimately very emotional, very heartbreaking, but the idea that the sexy little se- baby. Sexy little baby. <laughs> he says it like that, baby. Um, that was so- legitimately funny. It, it, was, it was good. So finishing out the episode, Ted, the big dingus that he is, he was about to set the whole club on fire until his handler beard. Yeah, he goes, yeah, that he they says, go we outside. should do this part outside. Well, we should do this part outside. <laughs> also, some of that stuff should not be set on fire. It really like, shouldn't. There was like liquor. Toxic fumes. There was like, yeah. Car keys. The car keys, which I don't know. Welsh hole. They never resolved that. Like, I guess he has an extra set somewhere. God, I hope so. Um, Because that was really dumb. Why did you put your car keys in there? The Welsh Welsh gentleman is a little (laughs) soft-brained. Yes. (laughs) Um, Maybe he has CTE. Do you get CTE in soccer? You can if you start doing. That's why nowadays I think they they say, at least in American uh, soccer, you're, you're not supposed to do headers until you're a little bit older. Ted calls out for a sign that the curse has been lifted. 
And Higgins and Ted, the sneaky little devils they are, have Danny Reds, Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. Rojas. Uh, there. <laughs> He's there waiting in the wings. And he comes bounding out um, to absolve Richmond of their curse, really their team's sin, and it, you know, along with the uh, government of uh, Great Britain back, back at the time. And Rebecca makes this remark that calls back to episode four. So instead of them being a team divided, they are now finally becoming a team united. Here's where we get this, the heel turn moment for Rebecca again, when she finds out that Higgins put the team first and was in league with Ted on this, on you know the curse-breaking Danny Rojas reveal, she is unfortunately mighty salty about it. Well, I think... I think it's a reference to like I think even to the first one because she he kept information secret, yeah, the good of the team. Just like he kept Richard's cheating secret, secret from her, the good of the team. It is a betrayal. He betrayed her back then mm. by not telling her the truth. He is betraying her now. In addition, he's betraying her plan now. Her plan is to take this team down. He is actively mm. at this point, because remember, he was passively kind of not being oh. into, not giving his 100% on things, mm-hmm. kind of screwing things up. He was kind of passively okay, okay, you know, being okay, okay. on Team I Ted see that. I see for that. a while. I see that. Now he has actively saddled up, saddled up with Ted on this Danny Rojas thing. Uh, he's betrayed her plan, but really Once. he's betrayed yeah. her Once, yet yeah. again. Kind of mirroring the cheating thing like you're talking about yeah 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 the next day the boys are just buzzing with team unity and i love seeing them like that uh ted yeah. has finally achieved one of his major goals which was real culture change on this team and it's great to see everybody's all chummy in that locker room it's very cute i mean it just looks like yeah it looks like they should be playing like um like Bill Withers, like lovely day, like lovely day, lovely day. Like it just looks like they should all just be having the grand old time, but they don't let us be happy too long as Ted Lasso never does as a show. Ted walks into his office to find an upset coach beard. And it turns out that salty Rebecca, she has orchestrated getting him traded or sent back to his, you know, yeah, it wasn't whatever the parent contract. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, no, Rebecca, say it ain't so. Um, but she did it. And Ted storms into her office. Ooh, and he, does. He, he reinitiates Ted Lasso rage mode. And he goes in on her pretty harshly, which is understandable because he's upset and for a good reason. Yeah. And, uh, she, you know, she basically pretends. Well, I think he sees through her bullshit, to be honest. Like, he's like, he realizes that she could have prevented him from going back. Yeah, and like I don't think he's one. His rage is not quite over the top. It's I don't I don't again I don't think it's full on rage. I don't think we've seen him fully lose lose control. But I think or, this is I don't cl- think losing control. I don't think so either because I I worry or I wonder if there is a Ted that loses control. But yeah. it's a lot the way he talks to his boss. Yeah, it is very disrespectful. I, I, I can talk, talk to, to my boss that way. <laughs> Sometimes he that is. does happen where like you're in a work situation well, like, and you do like put on your, you know, you kind of feel your fancy. big boy yeah, or big girl pants because you are right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I also think he's concerned with the team, 
but he's mostly concerned with Jamie. Jamie had a breakthrough. Like you were saying, like he had the literal, like call your therapist, like call your mama, like call your friends breakthrough. Yeah. You can have that breakthrough, but if you don't, that's where the work starts. You know what I mean? Like if he can't be there to help, help Jamie kind of build up his self-esteem and help him be the best person, a part of himself or better best player he can be both on and off the field like he'll backslide he'll backslide quickly i think one of the yes so what i'm trying to say is i think one of the reasons why his anger plays so well here and not as like aggressive and just angry and mean is because he's sincerely concerned about jamie's well-being not necessarily the team not necessarily winning i mean those are obviously on his mind he is a coach but a lot of it just has to do with is Jamie going to be okay? Yep. Is Jamie going to be okay? Yeah, totally. And I just, I'm I'm over Rebecca at this point. Like, she's my girl. She is. But I'm over her. She, she pretended as if she didn't know what Ted actually wanted. She was like, oh, I thought that that's what you wanted. But she knew better because he clearly explained his plan to her in the top of the episode that morning. He was like, no, no, no. My plan isn't actually to trade him. I got something up my sleeve. And so the fact that she feigns this ignorance in a way where she's not even trying to be convincing, I'm over it. And I have a lot of choice words rattling around in my head Mm. for Rebecca. I think that she is representing herself really, really poorly Poorly. right now. Yeah. So that's where we kind of, you know, leave the episode. We do have a little bit of a saving grace with Danny Rojas coming in and saying softly, football is life. Remember, football is life. Um, So, you know, you'll you'll come back to fight another day. But yeah, but it's the game has highs and lows, just like life. Yep. This brings us to our segments. The first one that we're going to start with is which moment was life? Oh, so this was the episode that the title of this segment came from, Football is Life. Football is life! No, 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 no. So which moment was life for you, Julia? Shout out uh, to Danny Rojas. I love Danny Rojas. Rojas! Anyway, <laughs> um, it's Keely and joining Roy on the treadmill, mostly because like a lot of it is, one, you know how much I've made it very clear how much I love the two of them flirting but mostly because it's just legitimately impressive like that she did that and she like hopped on there with confidence and didn't kill herself yep like because again to all the people who might be listening to this who don't wear high heels what she did was legitimately impressive I have seen people eat it on a treadmill and sneakers (laughs) like and I understand she wasn't going that fast but like Oof, my goof. No, and she was doing like a sexy little like heel toe stroll. Too. Yeah, she was doing like a, yeah, she was doing like a little strut. She was like playing it up. Yeah, uh, she was she was crushing it. And she a, always is. That was a great moment. What about you, my darling? What 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 moment was life for you? So I had a couple, I think. Or no, actually, I just had one. It was Jamie sacrificing the boots that his mom gave him. Uh, that completely turned me around on the idea of Jamie Tart. What he reveals is so insightful. The fact that he has this type of insight about himself shows that he's capable of doing the work to make himself a better Jamie. And all it took was a damn near knockdown drag out with Ted and a little bit of encouragement from Keeley. Now, I'm not counting the weeks of bullshit between him and Ted. 
uh, and Nate and Roy. I'm just yeah. gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna uh, act, you know, I'm gonna round up basically to just this last week and the growth that he's been able to show. And I just want more. I want to see more of Phil Dunster. I want to see more growth from Jamie. I don't want him sent away, you know? So this episode was very effective. I love it when shows do the thing where they take the villain and they turn them into somebody that you sympathize with and that you love. And you don't want, like you go from basically like, ugh, get off the screen to, I just want more of you. Give me more. I want to know more about you. So that's why it was Jamie for me this week. I think it depends on what they've done to a certain extent. But in this case, like in this case, you can see why he did what he did and why he is the way he is and why it's not entirely his fault. And I really love that. Yeah. Our next segment is be a goldfish or the moment that you would like to forget your least favorite moment. You know what the happiest animal on earth is? It's a goldfish. You know why? No. Got a 10 second memory. Be a goldfish, Sam. Julia, what was your least favorite? I think we might be aligned on this, but Jamie getting traded. This is. Yes. This is a blow. I'd actually kind of forgotten it. I, I'm kind of like shocked, I think, at how much of this, the show I've kind of like let slip out of my brain. Yeah, me too. Um, Because I remember it being a lot. Yeah, it's, it's just a blow. And to see like. Ted trying so so hard and I don't know it's just it's just rough it's just a low moment they had finally gotten all the pieces in place yeah I remember that from the the first time that I watched it just being just it was a head and hands moment you know they finally got everything together and then I just put my head in my hands like oh no Rebecca baby what is you doing no um yeah because she everybody's pulling in one direction finally and she's pulling in this opposite direction yeah out there by her damn self higgins is not even with her anymore so you're right this is this was my moment too for least favorite um it was her getting pissed at higgins throwing that coat down on the ground which ted unfortunately saw so you know i'm sure that in his mind like he was in the moment with the guys so he didn't react to it but I'm sure in his mind, he's like, what the hell was that about? Yeah, yeah, he didn't get it. He, I think he caught the moment that passed between her and Higgins, but he didn't understand what it was. Yeah. Um, and then trading Jamie the next day. And she singles herself out when they're, when they're at the, the sacrifice, even before she throws the coat off and, and walks back to the locker rooms. They invite her to come over and celebrate with them. And she just chooses to be on the sideline you know, before finally going in. Rebecca, within that moment, she chooses to isolate herself away from everybody else just in that moment. I mean, you could even, because we know that like- I think she's she's too mad to enjoy it. She is. And being this vengeful, spiteful, petty bitch, Mm. she's she's kind of floating in between that, you know, these first six episodes of Ted Lasso so far. And the moments of growth that we do see, it hurts. I hurt for her that she chooses isolation and withdrawing from trying to continue down the path like she did when they were throwing things in the trash can. Like Higgins pisses her off and then she decides, fuck it now, basically. That's what she does. And I hate seeing that moment. Higgins reminds her of his treachery. 
I really like she needs a pep talk from Keely. She does. To set but, her right. And Keely offered that to her, right? If you're ever having, you know, a tough moment, give me a call. So you're right. She should have she should have called Keely before making that trade to Jamie, before acting rashly. Well, she's still too hurt to see clearly. She's she's like Jamie before his break. Like she is Jamie before his breakthrough. Before the breakthrough. That is but, such a good point. Because Jamie basically says, like, I built up this wall. I decided to be tough because I didn't want to be accused of being soft anymore. You know, I'm putting on this armor, basically, because I don't want to be vulnerable to my dad anymore. Rebecca decides to put on her armor because she doesn't want to be vulnerable to Rupert Higgins, you know, all these men that she's seen as taking advantage of her. So you're think, right. She yeah. is kind of a foil almost for, for um, or not a foil, but a, a, a mirror, yeah. almost a mirror for um, for Jamie. Jamie, yeah. Mm. Um, Our next segment is Biscuits or your favorite character. I brought you a little something. Oh, yeah. Cookies. <laughs> or as y'all call them here, biscuits, right? Who do you got? All right. So this is going to be a shocker. It's going to be Jamie this episode. <laughs> Same. Um, okay. And it's, I think we've talked about it at length, so I'll keep it short, which is yeah. Jamie, you see him be who he could have always been, which is like you start to see the Jamie that I think Keely kind of sees sometimes. Like that's why she dated him. At some point she had to have seen that. Yeah. Yeah. And you start to see that. You start to see this like, hurt little kid who did this to make his mom happy and make his mom proud and did it because he loved it and because you know um it was a i'm assuming just just like he said like it was a ticket out of poverty phil dunster's acting is phenomenal you see that lost little boy yeah and you like the fact that he is willing to be so open is just touching it really is yeah i think it's keely that makes the first like I think Keely, like Ted is kind of battering against the walls, battering against the walls. And I think what kind of finally kind of gets him to reconsider is when his teammates start to turn on him, not just Roy, the rest of his teammates. And he, I think that kind of gets him to be like, have him the, the stop of, am I, are we the baddies moment? Mm-hmm. And then Keely comes and it's, and, and, you know, he follows down on that. He doubles down on that training that his father gave him. Don't ever be soft. Don't ever mm-hmm. be soft. Yeah. And then Keely comes up and is just like, dude, dude, like, you know, Ted is trying to help you. He's trying to help you. Be helped. Allow be, yourself to be helped. Allow yourself to be helped. God damn. That's a and word. because Keely is the best. He listens. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree with that. Um, especially when looking at, I guess, the most proximate cause of his change. I'm just zooming out big picture. And I'm thinking about how it was a male, you know, kind of um, paternal, not kind of paternal, an actual paternal authority figure that got Jamie into this predicament of acting tough. Um, And then it's Ted, who is starting to be the one, will ultimately be the one, um, another male authority, you know, figure, like the father of the team, essentially, as coach. Um, that is pushing the message of you got to break the ego down, right? Don't take every, don't take every pass uh, or don't take every, you know, opportunity to, to make the play pass it, um, be here for your team. Um, you know, let people in, don't have up this artifice all the time. So I, I like that contrast. 
Oh, and then I did have another one for... Was it Danny Rojas? It should be Danny Rojas. Yes, I'm going to say it's Danny Rojas. So I have three. So I'm going to add in Danny Rojas. Um, but then my my other one was Keely, just for um, how awesome and, awesome and supportive she's been. And I see her as kind of playing the role that Ted played in episode four for the children, you know, where he was chasing after everybody, like basically setting people on their right paths. Uh, I see Keely is playing that same role today because she was really getting into those backgrounds. She got into everybody's childhood. I mean, she was basically like their little uh, team psychiatrist almost before they actually She's get adorable. one. Yeah. God bless her. Oh, and then also I just wanted to give a kudos. They're not my favorite characters this episode, but the actors I think deserve some attention for what they did in this episode. Jason Sudeikis, like in addition to Phil Dunster, but Jason Sudeikis, um, for the ridiculous anger that he was showing, like him playing anger is as Ted Lasso in particular is both. You feel like empathetic for him, like you feel the anger with him, but it's also just ridiculous and dumb and it, well, it's he hilarious. Plays anger in a non-threatening way. Yeah, which it's, is very important. Yeah, it's almost this like internal like internally directed anger like he's not even really mad at you he's almost mad at the situation the situation i just still crack up at like because the anger was palpable in the Iverson speech but i just still crack up at it like i could play that on a loop. i still maintain it <laughs> i still maintain he is frustrated he's not angry it's just hilarious it's hilarious. i mean it's funny because it's a funny speech <laughs> um just no, like I'm not. I'm not here to make fun of Alan Iverson. He's clearly going through some shit. Oh no, but Alan like, Iverson was on on point. Like he might have been technically wrong in terms of his argument. Like show up for practice, dude. But that speech was on point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I don't know. I still kind of think he was right. Like Alan Iverson doesn't need to practice. He doesn't he's need still, to practice. He's still in their games. But think about like. I just love that moment, both in real life, the the Iverson moment, um, but then also the Ted Lasso moment of how when you're so frustrated and incredulous about something, and the only thing that you can do, like you can't form constructive sentences or thoughts, <laughs> the only thing that you can do is repeat a word 22 times and be like, come on, like, come, like, come on. <laughs> That's the only thing you can say is to repeat yourself a million times. Like, I know that anger very frequently. <laughs> yeah. Very frequently. Um, and then uh, Christos Fernandez that plays Danny Rojas. Danny Rojas. He's Rojas. so good at it. <laughs> He's so good at playing that like uber positive, energetic character. I hope He's he doesn't so get. so good. Yeah. I just hope he doesn't get typecast. That's how good he is. Yeah. 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 He's great. Our next segment is Hot Brown Water, our least favorite character. You know, I always figured that tea was just going to taste like hot brown water. And you know what? I was right. Yeah, it's horrible. No, thank you. Well, I and, think we're, this is another one where we're going to align. Yeah, I think we aligned a lot this episode. Go ahead, because I know who it is. It's Rebecca. Hell yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she is just, like, I understand why. I get it. Like, her reasoning is, I, I, I don't agree with it, but it's not flawed. Well, it is flawed. But, like, it makes sense. Like, there's a logic to her, to her anger and what she's doing. To see her grow and to see her start to move fast, especially to see her grow with how wonderful she's being with Keely. You know she can be, she can be better. You know it. I think she's just still too, I think it's just the one-two punch of being called old Rebecca 
and then Higgins again betraying her yeah like because I think I honestly I think if Higgins had come up to her and been like I'm not gonna do this anymore you can fire me whatever yeah um which maybe he should have the backbone to do but backbone is not strong and it's and again she controls his job she can fire him and he has uh, too many children too many children yeah that's true um and so like i get why he didn't but i don't even think he thought of it that way i think he was so caught up in like i'm doing this having fun yeah the team i think you're right I think you're right, but you know he, you know, like you saw the look on his face when she went, "Oh, for the good of the team." Yep. And he was like, "Oh shit." And then, yeah, he was like, "Oh right, you don't know that I'm not in league with you." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, I agree. It is Re- Rebecca for her pettiness, basically. Let it go. I, you know, episodes one through four, basically. I saw the logic. I was on her side. I was like, get him, girl. Now that I agreed with her, because I'm, you know, I want Ted to succeed. I didn't, you know, so, but I got it. Now I no longer get it. At a certain point, you need to drop the bullshit. Well, I think now we're seeing the harm it's doing. Yep. Like, we're seeing that Jamie could have made a step to be a better person, to be a more healed person, that like, he had legitimate trauma he carried in his past and she has now derailed him from that path of healing yeah. and that's yeah now you're seeing it up close and personal now you're she 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 now she knows these people and it's not it's she's not a step removed as she was before and she's still saying fuck you it's a yeah that's a very good point that's a, right that's that's different there's a difference there. there's a difference now she's had some time They've had time under their belts together. They have not presented themselves as adversaries to her. Coming in, maybe she didn't know. It'd be different if coming in, you know, you start some shit with Ted, you start some shit with some of the team members, you get, you seek to get revenge on Higgins. Maybe they start fighting you back and you're justified in keeping your bullshit going. They are offering no adversarial bullshit back at her. And it's like Keely said, you don't have to battle the people that are trying to help you. So, god damn, she should have called Keely, like we said before. I didn't have a theme that I had picked out from this episode. Oh, it's the past. It's overcoming or being trapped by. I think that I think that's right. And that I also wanted to add the thing about not battling things that are actually helpful to you. That's that's another theme. But yeah. yeah. It's over. It's 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 not battling the people that are helping you. Though I think, to be honest, in Rebecca's defense, she doesn't understand that Ted is helping her yet. She doesn't quite, she hasn't put those, connected those dots yet. The thing that I was thinking about with Rebecca is like, okay, so her whole, the whole like conceit of her uh, scheme was, okay, I now got this team through the divorce. I'm going to take it down to hurt Rupert. Wouldn't it hurt Rupert more if you made it the success that he could never make it to be? Because when she that's harder, when and she not took, as realistic, it is. It's harder, right? And it's not a sure bet. Like destroying yeah. them in her mind would probably be more of a sure bet. But when she got ownership of the team, they weren't doing well. They were and mediocre. They're mediocre, right? And she, they were bozos, as the tabloids describe them. She's clearly a capable, rich, powerful 
woman. Why doesn't she first think, or at some point think, I can take my talents, my resources, my ability, all this energy that I'm putting into being evil, put my husband, my ex-husband to shame. You could never make this team a success. I'm going to make it a success. I'm going to rub it in your face. How cool would that have been? There's two things here. One, um, that why she doesn't do that, um, which is one, she wants to hurt him. And I think she thinks it will hurt him more to see them destroyed and relegated and than it will to see them win. And winning has a longer timeline because mm. it, it just does. Whereas she can, she can rip them down much faster. Yeah. And two, I think she worries. And we've seen Rupert be an absolute weasel that somehow he'll get reflected glory. Or, or no, or he would be like, oh, somehow he would claim like, oh, I knew she would be brilliant at this. So I left, I let her have the team. And I let her, or he would swoop in like he did in episode four for the children and somehow upstage, upstage her. But I think it's the reflected, like, I think he would, he would steal some of, I think she knew in some way he would try to steal some of her glory and some of her hard work. Hmm. And so she couldn't, um, yeah, so she couldn't risk it. Yep. All right. Well, that was um, a really great episode. I enjoyed it. It was it was great. We talked way too long. Yeah, we did. I mean, we I tried. knew I told you it was going to be either really long or really short, <laughs> and I didn't know which. We tried to um, get it down this episode, but we're we're getting there, guys. We're trying to be much more concise. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Julia, for joining me for episode six, Two Aces. Woo! Um, See you guys next they, week. They only have one ace now, unfortunately. Well, they still have Sam. Poor Jamie. Um, All right. Well, that's it. See y'all next week. Bye-bye, guys. Bye. Bye-bye. In the meantime, we'd love to hear from our listeners. Follow or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and send your comments, theories, and just any general feelings you have about what we covered this week to tviuslifepod at gmail.com. And we may cover it on an upcoming episode. Thank y'all for listening. Until next time, take care of your characters and each other.